All right, all right, all right. Good to see everybody. Welcome to Freedom House. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look good today. You're looking real, looking real good, Clark. All right, so I want to welcome all of our live streamers. Uh, I was told that M-A means Massachusetts and M-E means Maine. So we got some Massachusetts people here? All right, come on, man. All right, you drove all the way, man. It's good. California, Nebraska, Kentucky, Michigan, Georgia, Virginia, Indiana, West Virginia, Ohio, Connecticut, South Carolina, North Carolina, Arizona, New York, Colorado, Pennsylvania, WI, Wisconsin, Canada, and Florida. Come on, let's give it up for all of our live streamers. So glad that you get to join us today. Hey, I love that video of all the men. If you came on Friday, wave at, wave at me, men, if you came on Friday. What an amazing night. One thing that wasn't shown in the video is we did a raffle and we gave away some guns, ladies. That was awesome. It was fantastic. Come to church, we give away guns. It's awesome. Well, um, we raised $8,000 for Victor Mark's, you know, get, get a pedophile fund. So we sent $8,000 to Victor, and he's very excited about it. I texted him right afterwards and uh, sent him the whole uh, video, and he was so proud of us, and he's going out and chasing down these pedophiles all over America, and I'm glad that he's doing that. Glad that he's doing it. You know, our vision here at Freedom House is to equip people to experience Christ's freedom in their everyday, everyday lives. Equip, experience, everyday. Equip, experience, everyday. Every environment that we uh, put together, whether it's a life group, which are starting, we have uh, our get on track, every environment is meant to equip you. Like Friday night was meant to equip our men. We, we talked about the Holy Spirit. We, we really empowered them to help them kind of take the next step. And this whole series that we're in, Back to Basics, is to help equip you as a family. And so today, I wanna share with you a message that I call Reverse the Curse. Reverse the Curse. Get your phone out. I really want you to take some notes. Now, I know you might say, well, I'm single. This doesn't apply to me. Actually, this is a very important message for you because I'm gonna share some things with you as a single person that will help you when you get married, when you have a family, that will position you to be able to deal with the enemy the way you should. And um, so I wanna start in Joshua chapter 24, beginning in verse 14. This is a very popular verse. We all know this one. It says, now therefore, now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Look at your neighbor, say, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Now, what's interesting, I'm gonna keep reading, but what's interesting about this verse is where Joshua is actually speaking this to the children of Israel. Now, they have occupied and are evicting nations in the land of Canaan or the promised land. And so God let them, they crossed over the Jordan River they are in the promised land, and the Israelites are removing the nations in that land. God left them there so he could teach this new generation how to fight. Now, what's interesting is where he actually shares this is in a place called Shechem. It's the same place that God spoke to Abraham that his seed, which is us spiritually, and his seed, which, was Israel, which, was, which is Israel, naturally, would inherit the promised land. Isn't it cool how God's word just all comes together? 
So the very promise that God gave Abraham, the Israelites are actually experiencing right in that moment in the same exact place. That's pretty cool. I just love the Bible. I think it's cool. If you don't, I think it's cool. So maybe you didn't like it. I like to say it anyway. So verse 15, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Now let's all read this together, this last phrase. We know this one. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's read it one more time, everybody, front to back. Participate, don't just spectate. Ready, one, two, three. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Because three's a good number, we're gonna do it one more time, loud, strong, like you believe it, and like you're confessing it over your family today. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, many of you know my family dynamic. I grew up single mom. I'm an only child. We were PO, P-O, couldn't afford the O-R. <laughs> my mom didn't have a car till she was like 42 years old. We had to hitchhike, which anybody that is under the age of 45 absolutely has no idea what hitchhiking means. Hitchhiking is when you stick your thumb out on the side of the road, somebody picks you up that's a stranger that's not Uber. Okay, so they don't have a blue light in their window. They're just picking you up because, who knows, maybe they'll kidnap you, maybe they'll take you to some strange place, lock you in a dungeon somewhere. That's how we did it back in the 70s, okay? You didn't have Uber back then, you just had your thumb. You stuck it out, and that meant, pick me up, I'm homeless, or something like that. And so... So that's what happened to my mom and I. If we wanted to go to the movies, we had to stick our thumbs out and we, would, we got picked up by some crazy people too, some crazy people. My mom uh, dealt drugs and my dad was an alcoholic. So that's kind of the environment. We were not Christians. Uh, I didn't really know God. I went to church on the weekends with my grandparents, but I skipped. <laughs> I would go with the pastor's son across the street with the offering my, mom, my grandmother gave me and play video games. So that was the kind of person I am. Say, everybody, I love you, Pastor. So thank God I got saved. So my wife, her family, had 12 marriages between her mom and her dad. I'm sorry, eight marriages between her mom and her dad and 12 kids her dad had out of wedlock. So you could say that we are a little bit dysfunctional, just a little bit. The sad thing is most people came out of a dysfunctional family. There are very few families that had kind of the nuclear two, mom and a dad, two and a half kids, you know, wonderful upbringing. That's very few and far between. Sadly, uh, we, we deal with the ramifications of that, which is what we're gonna talk about today. Generational curses are very real. And it's a result of what we came out of often. Let me give you some stats of what's happening in the world right now. Four in 10 babies are born out of wedlock. 40% of children are born outside of a loving family. Uh, less than 46% of kids grow up in a two-parent home. Just to give you some perspective on that, in 1960, 73% of kids grew up in a two-parent home. 1980, 61% of kids grew up in a two-parent home. Divorce is on the rise, depression is on the rise. Um, from 2015 to 2023, depression has gone up 10%, or I'm sorry, 10 points from 19% from to 29%. Anxiety 
and depression and worry in our world has gone from 298 million to 374 million worldwide in just three years, which is a 25% increase. Substance abuse is high. So in essence, a lot of families have veered off of the road to God, or they've never even gotten on the road to begin with. The Bible calls those, these, these roads highways. God spoke to a, a prophet named Jeremiah, and he made, he made it very clear why they were dealing with what they were dealing with. Now, what I'm gonna do over the next few minutes is I wanna set a little bit of foundation on an understanding of where generational curses come from. Because many of us in this room are dealing with them and we don't even realize it. And then at the end of the message, we're gonna talk about how to get out of it, how to stop and draw the line, which is what Penny and I did. No more, we're not gonna have drug addicted kids. We're not gonna have divorced families. We're not gonna have kids out of wedlock. We drew a line in the sand because I learned this principle early on in my marriage that right now from, from this day forward, the Maxwell House will be free and full of freedom and joy and peace and the same thing you can do because of God's grace. Everybody shout grace. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Aren't you thankful that he saved you? Come on, you better thank God for that. Isn't that great? I'm thankful. Come on, I'd still be hitchhiking on the side of the road. Jeremiah 18, verse 15. For they, talking about the children of Israel or the families, have deserted me and turned to foolish idols. Listen to this next phrase. They have turned away from the ancient highways of good and walk the muddy paths of sin. Therefore, their land or their lives or their families shall become desolate so that all who pass by will gasp and shake their heads in amazement at its utter desolation. I will scatter my people from their enemies as the east wind scatters dust and in all their trouble. Now listen to this last phrase. I will turn my back on them and refuse to notice their distress. Now, I know what you're thinking because I would think the same thing is that when I read that, I go, man, that's just, that seems like God is just hateful. Like why would he just turn his face, turn his back it is because this is the essence of what a curse is. I think a lot of times we have a misunderstanding of the way God kind of deals with disobedience or sin. Now we read in the Old Testament when they, and we see them talking about idols and we're like, we don't have any idols in my house. I mean, I don't have a little Buddha that I walk by and rub or, you know, we don't have all these idols, but money can be an idol. You know, relationships can be an idol. Our families can become an idol. A lot of people walk away from God because of their kids and, and their family and their relationships. Um, our, our success can be an idol. You know, your job can become an idol. A boyfriend, a girlfriend can become an idol very easily. Now, no, you're not just, oh, I worship you. But your time, your, your treasure, your talents, all given to that person as opposed to God is basically exactly what the Israelites did instead of God. Now they built like wood and, and gold idols that they worshiped 
served and, and actually sacrificed to, well, we kind of do the same thing with our time and our talent and our resources. And so God says, listen, if you disobey me, I cannot be involved in your life. So often we think that a curse is like God has a little you know, doll of you up in heaven. And when you sin, he pulls it off the, you know, the, the shelf and he sticks you with pins. Like, I'm gonna get them, right? Sometimes, I, I know when, when I was growing up, sometimes my grandmother would say that to you. Don't you mess up, boy, because God will get you. Right? You probably said it to your kids. Don't you mess up. God's gonna get you. That's not how God works. God doesn't get you. God leaves you. Because he can't be involved in disobedience. So it's important to understand what a blessing is and what a curse is. A blessing and a curse. A curse is not God getting you because you did something wrong. No, a curse is simply we disobey God and he can't be involved in it. He, he, he has to remove himself from it. You may remember on the cross when Jesus was on the cross dying for you and me, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, in that moment when Jesus truly became sin, God had to remove himself from Jesus. And so when we are in disobedience intentionally and willfully like the Israelites, he removes himself from his involvement in their life. Now, the opposite of that is a blessing. A blessing is when we are serving God, when we are doing his will. Now, we all make mistakes. We all fall short of the glory of God. All of us do because our nature and our flesh pulls it. There's this battle that's going on all the time between your flesh and your spirit. You know, the God in you that wants to serve him and the flesh that says, I wanna do what I feel. I wanna do what I want, when I want, how I want, with who I want. Come on, somebody, right? So that fight, we fight on the inside with that. But, but reality is if we can... If we can submit ourselves to God, his blessing comes upon us. I think my favorite example is Malachi chapter three. It's a very simple example. God talks about giving and tithing because it's, it's so simple. He says, he says, if you bring the tithe, I will open the windows of heaven, heaven over your life and pour you out a blessing you shall, there'll be so much you can't even receive it. In other words, when you obey me, the windows are open and I can come through and do stuff in your life. When you disobey me, guess what happens? The windows are closed and I can't be involved. I really want to, but I can't be involved with what's going on in your life. So generational curses are very real and generational blessings are very attainable. So you know what's safe? Just do the Bible. Like if there's any gray area, like you're confused about anything, don't try to search out a way to disobey God. Like create a little italicized part of the Bible. Well, you know, I, I think God understands what I'm going through. And so, you know, maybe there's an appendix to my Bible that says I can do this because he understands what I'm going through. That's not true. Because when we disobey God, he removes himself from it. When our families or our previous generations intentionally and willfully move away from God, he removes himself from our families and our lives. 
and cannot bless us. And now we are at the disposal of the enemy and he can come in. So Derek Prince wrote a lot of books about this. I've studied a lot of what he wrote. He's now gone on to be with the Lord, but he was a great understanding in the spiritual realm. And he wrote, what are the indications of a curse? Like, how do you know that you may be under a generational curse? Now, you guys follow me so far? Everybody good? Okay, about half of you. Other, other half, just wake up, okay? Forget the club last night, and let's just, let's focus right now, all right? Indica- indications of a presence of a generational curse in my life. Derek Prince wrote this down, and he pulled this all biblically and experientially. Number one is a mental or emotional breakdown. There is a historical depression or anxiety. It it's ha- happens all the time, okay? It's historical. Um, you see it throughout your family. There's anxiety from great-grandmother, you heard about it, and then grandma, and then, or, or there's depression. A repeated or chronic sickness, especially hereditary, hereditary. So if you see something that happens over and over in your family, cancer passed down, everybody seems to get stomach cancer, that's a generational curse. Okay, if you see cancer itself or diabetes passed down from family to family. I know people say, well, that's DNA related. No, it's a generational curse. Because if Jesus can heal all diseases, he can heal any disease, even if the doctor says it's DNA related. Are you following what I'm talking about? Okay, so, so it's important to understand those are all generational. They're related chromosomally, but that is all God made. And if God made it, he can, he can fix what's necessary in it. And so when we recognize that, we can deal with it with the word of God. Barrenness or a tendency to miscarry or female problems. These are all generational curses. A marriage breakdown, divorce or infidelity, generational curse. Continued financial insufficiency, generational curse. Often it's a poverty curse. You see, your family never never seem to ever get out of debt or always under the influence of, of debt and problems and financial issues. Often it can be a generational curse. Hey, listen, God is enough. He is Jehovah Jireh. He can provide for you. That is his name. His nature is enough. He always has enough. Are you following me? So it's important to understand, all these things are, are easily broken when we get God involved in our family, in our lives. Being accident prone is a big one. Accident prone. I have a friend named Blake. Blake knocked his front tooth out when he was a kid. So he has a fake front tooth. He used to take it off every now and then. It's just funny. It's just funny looking. Well, guess what? His daughter knocked her front tooth out. His son knocked his front tooth out. What I found out is that his dad knocked his front tooth out. Generational curse. I said, Blake, you need to stop knocking the front teeth out of your, I mean, you gotta stop this thing, man. What the heck? You can't have all your family walking around with one missing teeth anyway. That's just one thing. It could be anything. Suicidal history. Untimely or unnatural deaths. Let me give you a a famous curse that you may have heard of. It's, It's the Kennedy curse. The Kennedy curse. I have several of them, but I just want to read this one to you. This started in 1941. Rosemary Kennedy suffered from mental illness. 1944, Joseph Kennedy dies in an aircraft explosion. 1948, Kathleen Kennedy Cavendish dies 
of a plane crash, 1956. Jacqueline Kennedy gives birth to a stillborn child, 1963. Patrick Kennedy dies shortly after birth, 1963. John F. Kennedy is assassinated, 1964. Senator Ted Kennedy is involved in a plane crash, 1968. Robert F. Kennedy is shot and killed, 1969. Ted Kennedy is involved in a car accident, 1973. Edward Kennedy loses a portion of his leg, 1984. David Kennedy dies in an overdose, 1997. Michael Kennedy dies in a skiing accident. And John F. Kennedy in 1999 dies, him and his wife, in a plane accident. <clears throat> I mean, that's a curse. There's no reason why families should experience that much death. Weird deaths, too. Most of them, I don't know if you notice, were plane related. Okay, that, that is an indication of a curse. Okay, so where does it come from? Great question. Exodus chapter 20 tells us exactly where it come from. God says to us, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Jealous God. Did you know God is jealous for you? Jealous for you. Now, I, I'm not a jealous person. Not a jealous. I dated a girl one time. That was jealous. Don't tell Penny. <laughs> Man, she was calling me all the time. Like texting me. Oh, wait, where, are you, where are you at? What are you doing? When are you coming home? Where are you, wh- what time are you going to work? I'm like, babe, chill out. <laughs> like well, either you trust me or you don't trust me. Jealous. Je- jealousy. I'm, I, I dumped her pretty quick. I mean, I just got on my nerves. I couldn't handle it. I mean, it's like all the time. I'm like, uh, uh, uh. Like, I can't handle that. But I'm thankful that God's jealous. I don't mind God checking up on me. I don't mind God going, hey, what are you, what are you doing right now? I don't mind that. Because I know his intentions are love and care and grace and mercy. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit that when I may be kind of swaying or going in a direction that I shouldn't, he goes, hey, hey, whoa, 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 T-Max, what you doing? Hey, T-Roy, be, be careful here. You're kind of walking the line right here. Are you following me? Aren't you thankful that God's jealous? Turn to your neighbor and say, God is jealous over you. He's jealous over you. Look at your other neighbor and say, he wants all your attention. He wants all your attention, all your affection. He says, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Listen, listen, this is where we can learn where generational curses from, come from visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But, verse six, showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So this tells us that he visits the iniquities of the fathers, that when there is a sin, which we're gonna talk about what iniquity means in just a second, when there, God says, listen, I have to visit them to the third and fourth generation. In other words, my involvement cannot be until they get back to the commandments that I have, the will that I have given them. Proverbs 26, verse two says, like a flighting or flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without a cause shall not alight. There always is a reason. Always is a reason. Let me say it another way. 
What walks in the Father runs in the family. So dads, it's important, your relationship with God. There are consequences, maybe not in your generation, but in the future generations of the hidden sin. Because what walks in you will run through them. So we've gotta deal with this in our family. Satan does not have the power to curse. He only can walk through an open door that we give him. He doesn't have any power because Jesus took it away 2,000 years ago. He took the keys of, the, of hell and death away from him. The last thing that he had was death and Jesus took it away because he was the resurrected God. No other God, no other little G God was raised from the dead. Buddha, Muhammad, none of them raised from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead and he defeated the last the last thing that the devil had over us, which was death. So, we've gotta understand that there are different references biblically to describe what disobedience is. There's three words that are used over and over again. The first is trespass, trespass. I'll give you all three and then I'll explain them. Trespass, sin, and iniquity. Iniquity. Trespass, sin, and iniquity. And all of them mean a little bit something different. Trespass means crossing a boundary that has been established by a law. No, no trespassing means do not enter. You see a line, trespass biblically means you see the line and you step over it. So we have a pond right over here and I love fishing. I'm obsessed with fishing, I love it. I enjoy it, it's so much fun. And so I go over there often, throw a line in, catch some bass. Love to you know, jerk some lips, I love it. It's fantastic. So one day I was over there fishing and you know, this guy rolls up, he's tying on some stuff. I didn't recognize him, never seen him before. So I'm fishing, you know, he waves at me, I wave at him, and then I walk around the pond. It's not a very big pond, it's a walk around pond. And, uh, and I said, hey man, how you doing? Because you know, we got no trespassing signs all over the land. You know, I don't, but what happened is, is we, when we didn't, people would come over there and fish, and they'd take the fish. I don't know why, because I'm sure they were nasty to eat, but they've, they were in there, and I, you know, Pastor Troy wants some fish to catch. Not have to, so I go over there and go, hey, man, how you doing? He goes, I'm doing great. I said, what you doing? He goes, I want to do some fishing. I said, do you go to church here? He goes, yeah. I said, what campus do you go to? I go to that one right over there. I said, uh, I said who's your pastor? His head drops down. <laughs> and he goes, uh, I actually don't go to this church. I said, I know, because I'm the pastor. And if you would have known who your pastor was, then you would have said me, and you didn't know who I was. And he goes, uh, he goes, I'm sorry. I said, yeah. I said, you know, I probably would have let you continue to fish here if you wouldn't have lied to me. I said, it's not good that you lied to the pastor. I said, you're gonna have to go on home, you know, and he just put his head down and walked away. He goes, I appreciate it, man, you know. I'm sorry. He's repenting all the way. You know, I'm sorry. No trespassing. See, what God talks about when he says no trespassing, a trespass is a sin when we willfully see a line and we cross it. Happens in single people all the time. We just keep trespassing, fishing where we shouldn't be fishing. 
Yeah, but we love each other, Pastor Troy. We love each other, and God understands that it's okay for us to live together right now. No, you're fishing in a pond when God has very clearly wrote, no trespassing. Is this making sense to anybody? About three single people just ran out the building right now. You say, I'm, you're picking on me. I am. Why? Because I want God's involvement in your life. We want God's involvement in your life. The second word is sin or transgression, you may see. Sin is an outward act of disobedience. You may have heard the, the word sin means missing the mark. It, uh, you, you can do, it's doing the opposite of what is right to God or to someone else. That's what sin is. Now, the third is the, is the important one because in Exodus 20, you see that God visits this to the third and, generation, third and fourth generation, and it's the word iniquity, iniquity. This is a repeating of the same disobedience, creating a bending away from God's order of law. The word iniquity actually means to be bent. The term, if you were to see a picture of it, would be like a sapling that's bent away from or, or bent like this, bent to the side. So what happens in a family is when a family continually and willfully disobeys God, an iniquity or a stronghold is put into the family and they go farther and farther. Every generation goes farther and farther away from God. If you look at this in the Israelites, what happened is when they went over into the promised land and they did not remove the people groups that needed to be removed, the Bible says the next generation did not know God. The very God who put them into the promised land, the next generation did not know. Why? Because they were bent away from God. So the longer you stay in that sin, the longer and farther away we get from God and the less involved he becomes in our families. Are you following me? So Jesus in Isaiah 53, this prophecy that comes 800 years prior to Jesus going on the cross tells us that God deals with this. He says, he was wounded for our transgressions, sins, trespasses. He was bruised for our iniquities, that repeated disobedience. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. In other words, Jesus deals with the outward stuff with his wounds and he deals with the inward stuff with his bruises. Jesus bled on the outside for our sins and he bled on the inside for our iniquities. So Jesus dealt with it all on the cross, all of, all everything. He became a curse so that we would never have to live in a curse again. Isn't that good to know? I want that for my family, don't you? I want it. So the question is, if I sin, do I bring a curse on my family? If it's willful and intentional, Yes. If you mess up and repent, no. So if it's like, I'm gonna do this regardless of what God's word says, you're entering into a very dangerous place when it comes to the involvement of God. Listen, his grace exists all the time. His grace is always there, always there. Thank God for his grace. 
And God is always looking, listen, he is always looking for a way of entrance into our lives. Always. The Holy Spirit is always hovering over chaos, looking for a way to get in. Always. Jesus is always there waiting to enter into our problems. But if we keep the door closed, we keep it closed, he can't get in. We keep it close. That's that willful decision. So, how do I reverse the curse? What's the antidote for this? Write this down. Four things, real quick, and then we're going to go home. The first is by confession. We have to confess. Confess. Confess is a outward speaking. It's a confession. I say this all the time. The greatest faith you ever hear comes out of your own mouth. You can listen to me all day long. I'm a pretty good preacher. Heard myself this morning, good message. This one's actually pretty good too. B plus, at least, okay? But when, 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 when something comes out of your mouth that's full of faith, man, everything changes. Because now your heart is beginning to confess something that your mind's gonna change and your heart's gonna get in line with. So you confess, confess. What do you confess first? Your faith in Jesus. As your Lord. Not just your Savior, but your Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Not an internal, I did it. That's why I get you to say it out loud. That's why we get you to say things out loud. And at the end of this message, we're gonna make a declaration out loud. So the devil can hear it. You can hear it. All the demons that have been trying to attack your family, you're gonna hear it. And they can continue to hear it over and over and over again. Don't ever, don't ever be nervous about confessing Jesus out loud. So confess. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, not the Savior Jesus, not just I wanna escape hell Jesus so I can live like I want and then just miss it. No, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not just saved from hell, but saved from a misinvolvement of God being in every part and every, every area of our lives and families. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, mouth confession is made unto salvation. So confess your faith in Jesus. Confess the sin that is present right now. So if you have sin in your life, confess it. God, I confess this and confess it out. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we confess to God, he washes it away. Confess the iniquities of the past. If you know the sins that your family did, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, if you know the sin that they were involved in, confess it. If you don't know, just say, God, there obviously is some iniquities that I am confessing today that I am now receiving and participating in a curse over my family. So I don't know what they are. You do. Jesus died for them, so I confess them right now. Nehemiah 9, 2. Then those of the Israelite lineage separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. So number one, confess. Number two, forgive. 
release, let go. Forgive all your relatives, your family, your father, dead or alive, let them go. Let them out of your life, release them. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Now, when I read that, what that says to me is two things. Number one is that I, my prayers are hindered by the unforgiveness that's in my heart, not what they did to me. So it has to do with me, not them. So well, what if they're not sorry? That's not your problem. Because the unforgiveness can hold you imprisoned and they'll be free. They're not even thinking about you. Right? Dead. And if they're dead, they definitely ain't thinking about you. So you gotta let them go. You gotta release them. And then secondly, not only are my prayers hindered, but also I am in a position where I can't be forgiven. So I wanna make sure that I'm forgiven, so I'm gonna release everybody that I can. Secondly, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Let yourself off the hook. God's grace releases us from our sins and our mistakes. He remembers them no more. The only person that remembers your sins is you. And we don't ruminate on your sins like a, like, like a cow chewing the cud. Cow, cows have a stomach, they have four chambers. You ever seen a cow? You know, he takes a bite of grass and then he swallows it. What does he do? Regurgitates it again. And then he chews on it some more. And then he swallows it. And then he regurgitates it again. And he chews on it some more. Some of us have been regurgitating sins we did 10 years ago. We're chewing on it today. We still feel the shame and the guilt from the mistakes that we made. And then we come to church and we, God forgive me, we swallow it. And then two days later, the devil reminds us and we regurgitate it again. Yeah, I'm not forgiven. Now look, swallow it once and for all. Let God deal with it by his grace and his power and the blood of Jesus and it's gone forevermore. And if the devil ever says, you know what you did? He said, I, I don't remember anything. I don't know what you're talking about. God forgave me, I'm free, I'm, I'm righteous because of what Jesus did. You can try to remind me all day long how guilty I should feel and how shameful I should feel, but I do not because Jesus and the blood of Jesus washes me clean forever. Are you following me? Now, listen, 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 before you clap, that doesn't mean I can do whatever I want because that same blood and that same grace is what empowers me to live a righteous life. So confess, forgive, third, repent. You say, well, what's the difference between repent and forgiveness? Repent means that I'm gonna turn 180 degrees in the other direction, meaning that I'm gonna change my ways. If you're living together, not married, two choices, get married or move out. Well, we're in separate bedrooms. Come on, somebody. Give me a break. Who are you fooling? Get married, put a ring on it, or move out. Oh, but, but it's gonna hurt me financially. Okay, would you rather be hurt financially or God be inhibited from being involved in your life? Or, or possibly, or possibly starting a curse that maybe walked out in your family. Confess, forgive, repent, and the last one, declare. 
is my favorite part. Declare your authority over the curse. Declare it. You have, a, you have been positioned, if you're a born again believer, if you're a blood bought Christian, if you have Jesus living on the inside of you and you've said yes to Jesus Christ, listen, you're not just part of a church. You don't just have a way to, to meet with God. You are positioned in a place of authority to speak to the enemy and he has to flee from your life. He has to leave your family. He has to leave your house and he has to leave your kids alone. Are you following me? He has to leave your, your, your business alone. That, that, that is your rightful place as a child of God. Galatians 3 verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Jesus took our sins on Calvary. He took every iniquity, every trespass, every transgression, transgression upon his life. He took it all upon him and he gave us his righteousness, his right standing before God. The veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom and now we can walk right into the presence of God and say, God, deal with this curse. I want your involvement in my life. And I want my kids to serve God and my grandkids to serve God. My family's gonna change. My marriage is gonna change. It's gonna happen right now in Jesus' name. Stand up on your feet. We're gonna make a declaration today. We're gonna all make a declaration. If you, if you have an indication of a curse, I have a prayer that I wanna pray with you. What I would encourage you to do is take a picture of this prayer, Put a reminder on your phone. If you have an indication, and just declare this until it becomes second nature in your life. We're gonna, we're gonna read it all together in just a minute and declare it over our lives. But don't, don't, don't ever stop. And you could change this all around, but just make that declaration, especially if there's a suicidal tendency in your family or depression or anxiety or heart disease or diabetes. Listen, let me tell you what's gonna happen today. When you make this declaration, some of you are gonna get healed. Some of you are gonna get free from addictions you've been trying to get free for for 10 years, but you didn't even realize that it's because of generation after generation and God, because of your declaration, is gonna come and enter your situation and free you of it all. I'm preaching way better than y'all saying amen. I mean, th th come on. Man, I'm excited about this. I feel freedom in this house today. Hey, you know, today is our 21st birthday as a church this weekend <laughs> so we're going to read this together we're going to say it with authority we're going to say it with passion with full of faith so when you confess this over your life today you're, you're praying this if you're married grab the hand of your spouse right now and you say today's my day I'm gonna, we're going we're to believe this if you got kids in the room grab them make them pay attention read this Declare it over your life. Let's pray it all together. Say it loud. Say it strong. That devils in Uganda could hear it. All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna bleed this together. Are you ready? You wanna read it? To, we're gonna read it together. Ready? One, two, three. Lord Jesus, I believe that on the cross, you took on yourself every curse that could ever come upon me. So I ask you now to release me from every curse over my life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By faith, I now receive my release and I thank you for it. I declare my freedom. I declare my family's freedom. I declare my legacy will be that of the kingdom of God. 
I declare no generational curse is allowed to attach itself to my life or my destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap. Come on, give God a big hand. Let's thank Him for it. Yes, Lord. We believe it for our families. We believe it for our church. We believe it for our nation. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen.